This is the day of good news. Turn to 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 9. If I read it before you get there, it's okay. I'll be coming back. 2 Kings 7, verse 9 says, And then they said to one another, What we're doing is not right. This is a day of good news, and we're not telling anyone about it. If we wait until morning when it's light out, we'll be punished. Let's bring the news to the royal palace. This is an incredible story right here. And I I don't, you know, with me just taking that one uh, verse there and reading that to you, uh, you may not be familiar enough with the story to recognize where that's coming from. And so I'm, I'm going to take a couple minutes and just kind of lay this out for you foundationally. Uh, this is a really cool story. It's found in the Old Testament. Uh, happened in uh, around the time that Elisha the prophet lived. And this particular story, what's going on, is the king of Israel is making his home in the city of Samaria. And he's there with troops. And uh, the king of Aram has has brought his army and they have surrounded the city of Samaria and they have blockaded them now for quite some time and the situation there has become very desperate the attempt of the of the Aramean army is to starve the people until they'll surrender and so they have blockaded the city Not, nothing's coming in or out and the people are literally starving to death inside the city of Samaria and it is so desperate and I'm not trying to be uh uh, I don't know, I'm not trying to gross you out. Uh, this is a terrible, terrible thing, and we can't imagine this, but it was so desperate in the city of Samaria that people were eating their children. That's how desperate it had become in that city. And in the midst of that desperate situation where there seemed like there was no hope, there's no way out, um, we're going to sit in this place and starve to death, there's a prophet named Elisha. And on one day during this blockade, he makes a statement from God, which is totally an impossible thing to happen. But how many of you know that when God says something, it does come to pass? And you can tell a true prophet by what they say if it comes to pass. And if it's God, he can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants. And, is, and he likes it even more, the more impossible it seems to us. So in this desperate and very bleak situation, Elisha says, now on this day, at this moment, this is how desperate it is. He says, this time tomorrow, this will be over. By this time tomorrow, he said, we will have plenty to eat. And the, the way that it's worded is talking about what certain things will be worth. And for in our culture, it wouldn't make much difference. If I told you what those things are going to be worth, be like, it doesn't make any sense before or after. So the best thing for me to say to you is this. What they were saying is, today we're starving and we have nothing and we have no food and we would give everything we had to have some food and tomorrow we'll have more food than we need and, uh, and, and it'll be this, everything will be done. Now, there's a fellow there that, that uh, they said he le- that the king leaned on his arm. That means that he kind of was the king's assistant. And when the prophet made this statement, that man said, there's no way this will happen. Basically, you're an idiot, Elisha, basically. And Elisha says, oh, it'll happen, but you just won't get to eat any of the food. Now, I take you back to, to 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 6. 
And I'm going to walk you through this by just using God's word translation. It's easier for me to just kind of scan through this and tell you what happened than it is for me to just to say it or even to just read it. So it goes like this. The Lord had made the, the Aramean army hear what, sa- what sounded like chariots and, and horses and a large army. And the soldiers said to each other, the king of Israel has hired the Hittite and the Egyptian kings to attack us. So at dusk, it says they fled. They abandoned the camp. They left everything, their tents, their horses, their donkeys, and they ran for their lives. Now, something else that you need to understand at this point, there were four men, the scripture said, with skin diseases or four leprous men. At that time, if you had a skin disease or if you were a leper, uh, you could not live in the city with other people. You had to dwell in what they call leper colonies. It was a terrible existence, and uh, you you had no really no way to make a living. You just were you were basically uh, a beggar, and and uh, you were in need in desperate situations at all times. It was a terrible way to exist. So you were separated from your family, and until you either were healed or you died, you you didn't ever get to come back into the city and among the people. And so you got these four men. These four lepers who are outside the city gate because they can't go inside. Now think how desperate the situation was. Everybody inside is starving to death and doing incredibly terrible things because they have no choice. But these guys are so deplorable that they can't even go in and be a part of that. They're on the outside of that. And they're sitting outside this gate and they're saying, we, you know what? We're just sitting here waiting to die. I mean, we, we, it doesn't look like anybody inside here is going to live. We got this army that, that is actually uh, between us and the city. I mean, we're, we're, the, we're right here. When they get here, we're the first ones to die. Uh, we, don't, we have no hope. Why don't we at least just go over to the Aramean camp, and if they kill us, they kill us. But what if we find somebody there that's merciful and gives us something to eat because there's nothing in the city and they're not merciful to us anyway. These guys are probably going to kill us too. But there's always, you know, just that tiny bit of hope that they may give us something to eat. And so, verse 4, they say if we go to the city, famine's there, we're still going to die. If we stay here, we're going to die. Let's go to the Aramean camp. They give us something to keep us alive. We'll live. If they kill us, we're going to die anyway. And so they started out at dusk to go to the camp. And when they got to the edge of the camp, no one was there. And when the men with the skin diseases came to the edge of the camp, they went into a tent, ate and drank, and carried off the silver and the gold and the clothing that they found in that tent. And then they went away and hid them. Now, this is funny to me, probably just because I have a strange sense of humor. So you'll get this in a second. Then they came back, went into another tent, carried off its contents, went away and hid this. And after doing this for a while, the words of our text are spoken. So at some point, it comes to somebody's mind. After they have gone and got what they wanted, eat what they want to eat, drank what they wanted to drink, taken everything from the contents of that tent, went and hid it, went back, did it again, went and hid it. And finally, somebody says, this ain't right. We shouldn't be doing this. I mean, everybody in the city are dying. Some of them are eating their children. And we're out here taking tent after tent worth of stuff and hiding it. For what reason? Where are we going to spend it? We still can't. No matter how wealthy we are, we still can't go in the city anyway. And let, we're letting all these people perish because we're just keeping this good news to ourselves. Hmm. So... 
then is when our text kicks in. One of them said to the rest, what we're doing is not right. This is a day of good news. We're not telling anybody about it. If we wait till morning when it's light out, we're going to be punished. Let's bring the news to the royal palace. And so in verse 10, it says, they called the city gatekeepers. They told them we went to the Aramean camp, didn't see or hear anyone. The horses and the donkeys still tied up. Even the tents were left exactly as they were. What had happened was as the enemy was leaving, it said that on the roads as they were escaping, they had fled and you could, they, they had left behind everything. They had left clothing. They had left behind all kinds of treasures and riches. And it was just all along the roads. So the results of the story are as follows. I won't read all of it to you, but it goes like this. So the king, he sends out some messengers after the four lepers say, here's what we found. King says, well, might be a trap, you know. Maybe they wanted these guys to feel, see this. Maybe they're hiding around and they're waiting for us to go out to the camp and loot. And then when we get there, then they'll attack us there and they'll attack us in the city. So let's send some messengers with what horses are left that we haven't eaten. They round up five horses and five messengers and they send them out to the camp to take a look. And the news comes back that the four were correct. So now the people of the city, they race out in order to begin looting this camp. And everything the prophet had said happened, even down to the fact that the man who said this could never be, that the king leaned on his arm when he said it'll happen, but you won't get to eat any of it. Even that happened because the people were so excited about what was outside there that they were going to eat that they trample that guy to death in the city gates. They just ran over him because he was standing in the way. They killed him and everything that the prophet had said was going to happen, came to pass exactly as he said, even down to the fact that what would be sold for what would be sold at what price happened. 24 hours later, that desperate situation was completely different because God had caused the whole army to flee for nothing and leave behind everything they had, which immediately changed the whole economic system of that city that was perishing. This is what God is able to do. Now, when I was reading this, I thought, wow, there's some lessons that we could glean from this. And the reason that I picked verse 9 as our text is because I think the lessons that we need to learn are found in that verse. Before I get to those lessons, I want to I start with a premise of the same as that of the four lepers. Before we go to the lessons... I want us to identify I want us to identify the same I guess truth that the lepers came up with. That's why it's the title of this today. When they said this is a day of good news. Hasn't been, but today's a day of good news. And I thought to myself when I was reading this and I was studying this, I thought this is a day of good news. And it is today for us too. It wasn't just for them. This is a day of good news. Even with all of the the politics and the upheaval, the strife, war, there's still a lot of good news to be talked about. Man, I get, I, I, if I'm not careful, I get discouraged trying to watch news these days. I don't know that it's ever changed. I guess it's been like that my whole life. Maybe that's why I didn't want to watch it when I was a kid. It would just bore me to death. Hasn't really, when I look back over it, though, it hadn't changed all that much. Hairstyles have changed a little bit. Clothing styles have changed a little bit but people are still killing each other just like they were when I was a little kid. 
I mean, everywhere all around the world, somebody's at war. I mean, there's always something going on. There's always strife. And when we watch news, it tears our hearts because somewhere in the world on any given day, in any given minute, somebody is in a desperate, terrible situation. People are starving to death all over the world. People are being persecuted all over the world. Terrible, terrible, ugly, nasty things are being done all over this world by people to each other. And we have to watch it every day on the news or read about it. And it makes me to think to myself, why don't we see more good news? I know there's good news out there. Why don't we ever talk? I'm going to tell you why. Because by nature, people, I'm not saying you because we're different here, Trinity. We're not like everybody else, right? But people as, as a whole are naturally negative by nature. News is bad. Ratings come from giving us bad news, not giving us good news. When was the last time they interrupted a program you were watching on TV to tell you about something that was so wonderful that it happened where somebody's been blessed or something? We're breaking in right now to share with you uh, what has happened in this community. It is, we're breaking in right now to show you coverage of this city being bombed. It's happening right now as we speak. What does that do? There we go again. With the fear. We talked about a couple of weeks ago. There we go again with all the fear. And all the oh my lands. What are we going to do? The desperation. Wish that every once in a while. They would. Give us some good news. Instead of some bad news. But since that's not their job. And that's not what brings ratings. Then perhaps maybe what the Lord is saying to us as a church. And not just this place. But his church all over the world. Why don't we share good news? I mean, after all, we have the best news. You say, oh, now I know where this is going. He's going to tell us that all of us should be sharing the good news, and the good news is the gospel, and that all of us should be telling everybody that Jesus loves and wants us. Yes, no question. That's always part of it. It's always the commission of the church, but I'm taking it further than that. I believe that we can share the good news of Jesus, not just by what we say, but by the way we live our lives. But also, I believe there are other good things that we could be saying, that whether we say the gospel or not, or whether we talk about church or not, there's good things that we can be talking about that can make a difference in our community. And that's where I'm going with this. I want to show you this. It says, I want to show you about how, 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 the, how I reached this um, conclusion. Jesus himself. Matthew 4, 23, it says, Jesus went all over Galilee. He taught in the synagogues and spread the good news of the kingdom. He also... He did more than that. He didn't just preach about salvation that was to come. He also cured every disease and sickness among the people. Matthew eleven five, Blind people see again. Lame people are walking. Those with skin diseases are made clean. Deaf people hear again. Dead people are brought back to life. Poor people hear the good news. So with Jesus, great things were happening and people were hearing good news. There was something that was coupled there together. It, it wasn't just a guy with a Bible telling folks they were going to go to hell. Because that's more bad news. Isn't it? When you stand up with that Bible and you swing it at people. And, and your eyes are red and you're screaming and you're hollering and you're sweating. And you're telling everybody they're all going to split hell wide open. That's bad news. 
It's true for people that don't know Jesus, but it's bad news. And Jesus had enough sense to realize, hey, I got good news for you and I want you to hear it. And I think you'll be more receptive to hearing this if we do some good things too. So I'm going to heal and I'm going to love and I'm going to bless and I'm going to encourage and I'm going to help and I'm going to make a positive difference. And then people are going to say, man, Jesus, we like hanging around with you. Good things happen when we hang around with you. We wish we were more like, we wish more people were like you. And Jesus said, well, why don't you be? Hey, it wasn't just Jesus. Paul, 1 Thessalonians 2.8, we felt so strongly about you that we were determined to share with you not only the good news of God, but also our lives. That's how dear you were to us. You remember, brothers and sisters, our work and what we did to earn a living. We worked day and night so that we could bring you the good news of God without being a burden to any of you. We worked day and night so that we could share our lives. Good news with you. We wanted to do something good. We didn't want to be a burden on society. We wanted to be the people that were bringing good news and sharing something with others and doing something that caused you to want us to be around. How many places have a negative connotation about Christians? How many poor waitresses today will walk away from their job after they've been flooded by Christians all day who whined, complained, and didn't tip? How many of them are going to go home and say, wow, I wish I was like them? I'm saying that there's a, there's a possibility for us. And you say, Pastor, it's hard for, you know, you're talking about all the time the Great Commission and talking about the goodness of Jesus. You think we should be sharing Jesus with people, and it's hard. It's not hard. It's not hard. The Great Commission isn't hard at all. Where Jesus said, I've said it lots of times, Jesus said, in your going, make disciples, or in your daily living, as you are living, as you're doing what you do, just remember to bring people with you. Well, they don't want to go with me. Why not? What are you doing that causes them not to want to go with you? Are you negative? Are you judgmental? Are you unkind? Are you hateful and mean? Well, you can call yourself a Christian or an unbeliever. Doesn't make no difference what you call yourself. If the words I just used to describe you are how you are, that person doesn't want to be like you. Let's think for a few minutes about good news that could be coupled with the gospel. What could we be talking about that would be good news to people who are desperate, people who are fearful, people who are suffering? We could use every form of technology that is available, and we could use our own voices to share our testimonies. Our testimonies are good. We could talk about the goodness of God in our personal lives. Jesus doesn't expect you to, to go up to people and say, Hi, my name is Darren. Uh, let me preach you a message. But what he wants me to do is go up to people and say, Hey, I'm Darren. What's your name? What are you all about? Where do you live? What do you do? Let me get to know you. Let me interact with you. Let's hang around together. Let's get to know each other. And at some point, regardless of whether you're a Christian or not, let me, through my actions, show you that I care about you. At some point... 
at some point, I'm going to be given the opportunity in a non-manipulative way to be able to say, well, you know, I'm no better than you, but the difference you're talking about is this. I believed upon Jesus Christ and he changed my life and he healed me and he set me free and he's delivered me. And they're like, wow. And see, I can receive that message because it's legitimate because I know your life. You're not just some stranger screaming in my face. Hmm. We could use our energy to talk about things that are positive and uplifting and encouraging. And, and I, I submit this is the way I want. I choose to live my life. I, I thought about this the other day. You know, at my funeral someday. I hope it's a long time from now. It may not. You never can tell. But I hope at my funeral someday that they say some nice things about me. I think one of the things they're going to say about me in, the, in, in closed rooms, not in the service, is going to be how ornery I was. There's going to be people standing around talking about, you never believe he said this or he did that. or you know. And those are the kind of the things that I'm hoping don't get brought out in the service. But that's why I'm trying to think about who do I want to preach my service. Can't be anybody that knows me. Because I'm spending my life, I'm having fun. I've just made up my mind that I'm going to have a good time. Now that's caused some people over the years to say, you're a pastor? Really? Like they didn't even think I was saved, let alone that I was a pastor. Like... I want to. I want to be. I want to be that guy that's just like everybody else. I want to. I'm no different. You know. I don't want to ever be treated any different. I don't want people to look any different I, to, at me because of of a title, good or bad. Used to it was they, they would look at you like, like you know when if you said you were a pastor it was kind of put you up here. Now if you say you're a pastor, <laughs> you don't. Sometimes you don't want them to know now because they find out you're a pastor now. It's not the most. Uh, glamorous thing to be. I just want to be Darren. So I want to have fun. And I tell funny stories. And I want to be involved in funny things. I want to do things that, that bring cheer to people instead of discouragement. I think we should think about that for a minute. We, we could be using our lives and our voices to tell people about the way that, that God is answered us and he's healed us and he's helped us and he wins battles for us and just like he did for those folks in samaria that day i just want to tell if i get the chance here's how i witness to people jesus is my friend and this guy's been awesome to me you won't believe where he brought me from you if i told you where i should be right now and instead where i am it's it's all god he's been good What if we flooded Facebook with good news instead of all the negative, divisive junk that's usually there? There's so much negative gossip and things that sow discord and division. What if we used... What if we use those things intentionally to share good news? Even when you're being baited to say something negative, what if you decided 
I'm going to use every available opportunity and every voice I have. You know, I'm going to tell you right now, there's a lot of people that don't like Joel Osteen. You know why they don't like him? Because he's positive and he smiles. I don't like him. My pastor at Fort Smith, Don Hutchings, has a sign on the back of his door so that every time his door closes and it shuts and he's in there, this is what he is looking at. It says, I will be positive or silent. He stares at it all day. Every time he looks at his door, he looks at that. He's the most positive guy you've ever met in your life. People get so angry with him. They're so mad at him. I I heard people over the years, they'd be so mad at him. Well, even a battery's got a negative terminal, they'll say. Yeah, but I don't grab either one. I mean, I know there's a lot of negative out there. Let somebody else be that person. There's plenty of people out there that'll pick up the negative and run with it. How about if we make the decision that we're going to be the positive terminal? We're going to be the positive part. Of the battery. I actually knew people that got angry with him. Why don't you like Don? He's just always so positive. Always got a smile on his face. Always wanting to encourage somebody. Man, we ought to run that guy out of town on a rail. We ought to tar and feather that dude. He loves people. We can't have that. He wants people to get saved. He wants people to go to heaven. Man, we got to do something about that. We need to run him out of here. He's not normal. You know, Jesus wasn't normal. Everywhere Jesus went, good things happened. But do you remember how many negative people were always trying to, everywhere he'd go, he'd do something good, and they'd start trying to throw rocks at him. Here, pin him up over here, push him off this cliff. Nah, not time yet. I'm just going to walk on through you. Not going to talk bad about you, but I'm going to walk on through you. The only time, you look at the life of Jesus. The only time he was negative or the only time he was mean was just when he was talking to people who were supposed to be the religious leaders. The ones who were supposed to be giving people hope and love. He's, they're the only ones that he ever got ugly to. And he called them some names. He called them snakes, and whitewashed tombs and vipers. He called them a lot of stuff. Said you're dead on the inside. On the outside, he said, you look all fancy, but on the inside, you're just a pile of dead mess. You know, that's what he said about them. But he never said that about, he never said that about harlots or drunks. He only said that about the religious people who knew the truth, who should have been giving the good news they knew to other people, but were instead using it to control them, manipulate them, And keep them down. That made Jesus angry. I want us to be those people that say, they're not going to trick me. They're not going to bait me. So the four lepers were faced with a tough decision. They could have kept on hoarding up the stuff, hiding the good news. But instead they chose to share it so a whole city could be blessed. And as a result of the decision, they left us with these three lessons. And I know you're afraid now because you're like, oh, he's just now getting to the lessons. But this goes very quickly from here. Back to 7, verse 9. Then they said to one another, what we're doing is not right. 
If we've been being negative, that's us. What we're doing is not right. This is a day of good news. We're not telling anybody about it. If we wait until morning when it's light out, we're going to be punished. What if we die being negative? What if we die? What if Jesus comes and we're not in the midst of sharing the good news by the way we live our lives? So we're going to be punished. Let's bring the news to the royal palace. These are the three lessons that I gleaned from it. Maybe you'd have more or different. But mine was this. Number one, this is a day of good news. And we're not telling anybody about it. Number one, lesson I can learn from that is tell everyone good news. Number two, if we wait till morning, we'll be punished. So I thought, well, a good lesson from that is let's not wait till a later time to share the good news or we might be punished. And the third lesson I got from that was he said, let's go share it with the royal palace. I thought, you know, let's use our opportunity to bring this good news to those that have the greatest platform to share it further. Let's let's use this. Let's use our influence to influence people who even have more influence than we have so that that message will go. That's what they did. They said, you know, we're four people. We can stand outside here and holler up at the gatekeepers. We don't have a lot of influence right here. We're lepers. But let's get this to the people that have influence. And when they got it to the people that had influence, like the king, the king said, okay, everybody, we'll go check it back. Now, city, go. Just you as an individual sharing good news in the right place, you could share good news with someone who's got a bigger platform than you'll ever have that they might, you think, man, just me with, you know, I'm quiet, I'm kind of laid back. Wait a minute. You share it with just the right people, one or two people, they might turn their whole world around based on what you're doing. So I'm going to close with this. It's a story about a farmer and a banker. And some of you have heard this story before. So laugh anyway like you've never heard it before. So the farmer goes to the banker and he says to the banker, I got good news and I got bad news. And the banker's like, well, I'd rather have the bad news first. What is it? And he says, well, I can't pay my mortgage payments. And the crop loan that I've taken out for the past 10 years Well, the crops haven't done well, so I can't pay that off either. And I'm not going to be able to pay you that couple hundred thousand that's outstanding on my tractors and all my equipment either. And so I'm going to have to turn the farm and all the equipment over to you and let you sell it and salvage, get whatever you can out of it. The banker's just kind of reeling. He's like, well, what's the good news? And he said, well, the good news is you've been so good to me, I'm not going to stop banking with you. And those of you that didn't get that, long about lunchtime are going to go, oh, that's funny. We can pick bad news all day long or we can choose good news. And there's so much good news out there that we can be sharing. It's ironic that the Lord had given me this word way back first of the week and then we had a lot of things that happened at the end of the week and 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 Angie shared something with me that I'm I'm hoping is on that we're able to put up on the screen. We have a picture that I want you to see because at a time where there is so much 
bad news. That's good news in the Democrat Gazette. Can you read that? That's that's that guy up on the top there. That's Jim Morse. He goes to the second service here. This this past week on Thursday and Friday, Thursday was the great gift exchange. That's the great gift exchange over at Fast Lanes. Jim and some of uh, the rest of you took our children from Garland that we're ministering to right now, loaded them up on vans and took them to the great gift exchange. And at the great gift exchange, there's one of our boys right there and he's playing and James is over there congratulating him and the Democrat Gazette snaps a picture and puts the whole thing in the paper covering a level up for Ron Harris covering Trinity Fellowship covering the Garland Kid program that we got everything is right there in the paper and we didn't ask for it or pay for it that's good news right And it's not because we got publicity. That's not why it's good news. But Thursday, a lot of little children, hundreds, maybe even more than a thousand little children, were ministered to at Ron Harris's program at Fast Lanes. That's good news. There were a lot of little kids over there that wouldn't have received a Christmas gift, but they got to go to that party that day and they received a gift. Many of the gifts that were provided by you who gave for that project. And then the very next day, these little children got picked back up at Asbel School and brought over to our Garland campus where that about 12 or 13 of you volunteers were back working with them again. And Deb and I got to go by and we weren't there for long, but I went by law. I wanted to see what was going on. And I was so excited. I told her, I said, there's nearly as many volunteers here as there are children. I said that to Deb. This is exciting. This, is touch, this touches my heart because God has put these children on my heart for a long, long time. And I didn't know what it was going to look like. I, God's been speaking to me about orphans for years. And I didn't know if I was supposed to build an orphanage or, or if it was overseas or what. And now the Lord is putting this in our lap. The opportunity to minister to children who are not necessarily orphans by the, by the terminology that we understand it. But they definitely are in other ways. To be able to go over the over there, Dale, the other day, and, and shake hands with those little kids, and and talk to them, and they'd tell me who their brother and who their sister was, and man, they're running all over and they're playing. You know what? I don't believe that Angie has preached the gospel to those children yet, but she's going to. Well, Pastor, that's the very first thing they should have done: round them up, put them in a room, and give them a Sunday school lesson. Really? Instead, what we chose to do is send them home with ten pounds of chicken every Friday. And to give them snacks and food and to play with them and tutor them and minister to them. Because now what's happening is they cry when they go home and they want to know when we're going to start having a service over them for them to go to on Sunday. That's good news. You may not get to go and do this all over the place, but when Brian talks about missions, today there's a church meeting in Prague, Czech Republic who's being planted by a pastor who was our youth pastor here. Our first one 23 years ago. Another one of our boys that was in a youth group, one of my boys, Mikey Brogan, 
is in China today and you're supporting them to reach the people of China. I'm telling you, this, and Honduras, it wasn't just latrines last year, but it was that. But we also went and built a mission house there for a missionary named Jeff Kennedy who was on staff here as our associate who's now a full-time missionary. I'm telling you, you're going and you're doing things all over the world. You're a part of something that is much bigger than this. Your influence is a whole lot, reaches a whole lot further than this. Let me give you some more good news. Our little children on Saturday, man, I mean, they made us proud. They went to JBQ and they cleaned up. They're learning, you know what JBQ is? It's where they're learning the Bible. And these little kids, they've been learning the Bible program that's been going on here for many, many years. They went Saturday and they're, they're showing out in a good way. Little kids that are being instilled the word of God. It's happening. Good news. There's a lot of good news here for us to talk about. There's a lot of things here for us to be excited about. Not bragging on ourselves, but bragging on Jesus. A youth group. Youth group who sacrificed and raised money so that they could pay their ways to go to Honduras and build toilets. And they did it. Young adults in the venue on their way right now sacrificing, raising money so that they can go to Ecuador and minister to people there with Shannon Pruitt, another missionary that we support. There's good things happening all over the world and our little congregation here is getting to be a part of some amazing things all over the world right now. That's good news. There's good things happening right here, right now, back there in Children's Church. In about 45 minutes, Pastor Randy's service will start with our Hispanic congregation. They're my family. I, I, we're one family. I love this group. It's just, it's growing. I'm, I'm telling you, the Lord has given favor there and our congregation is growing. I'm so excited. I'm just so excited about what God is doing. God's bringing people here, this little group from all over the world. I can say this right now because they're not in the service. They might be in the second service. But did you know for the last two weeks, two weeks ago, we had a young man here who was from Iran. He just got saved. The next week, he brought his buddy from Iran. If, if the gospel can be preached and young men from Iran who are going to go home and be leaders can go home and start reaching a country and someday they may tell somebody Tim Petty from Chi Alpha led me to Jesus and took me to a church called Trinity Fellowship and there they loved me like I was just one of their own guys there's good news there's so much good news Let's start telling the good news. You say, I don't share the good news because the good news is the gospel and I feel weird about preaching to it. That's not it. Jesus said, we'll tell them the good news after we show them the good works. After we share with them our lives, Paul said. After we share our life and then after we heal and after we feed and after we minister to, at some point we're going to get an opportunity to lead them to Jesus and then they may go change the world. Who would have ever thought 
Chris Hales, when he, some of you remember Chris when he first got here, 21 years old. Dude, he used to, he used to preach. He, 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 he talked so fast. He would preach a whole message of four or five pages. Took him like 10 minutes. You know, it was like an auctioneer. You didn't know what he got. When he got done, you didn't know what he said. But you're like, I love that guy. It's like he had a mouthful of marbles for about 10 minutes. I don't know what he said, but I love him. I love his spirit. That dude's going somewhere. Yeah. Prague. To reach a city of people that are unbelievers. I mean, I can't even give the percentage. There's hardly any Christians in Prague. Hardly any. It's a huge city. And all of us that watched Chris saying, man, someday that dude's going to do something. I love that guy. He's, he's going to go somewhere. Yeah, that's good news. He's gone. Will you stand to your feet? Our, our altar time today is just really a time of reflection, a time of prayer. A time where I want you to examine your heart and then I want you to make a commitment to the Lord that you're going to start using your time and energy to bring attention to all the good in the world. The goodness of God, the hope that exists for mankind. I want everybody to leave this room today saying this is a day of good news. I don't care what ABC and CBS said. I don't care what MSNBC said. This is a day of good news. God's doing good things and I'm a part of it. I'm going to tell somebody this week I'm going to tell somebody good news I'm not going to share bad news I'm going to share good news this week that's what I want our altar time to be about today we're going to baptize some folks unfortunately it's not in this service to my knowledge there are going to be about three or four people baptized in the second service I'm telling you that though so that you know it's an exciting thing three or four people today are going to get baptized here isn't that amazing that amazing that's good news that's good news during this last song I want you to find yourself a place to come and pray come and kneel come spend some time with the Lord commit yourself to saying I hear what he's saying this is a day of good news I'm going to use my time and energy and my voice to share good news and do good things for people come on let's pray